All right, uh, so this morning is the first Sunday of Advent, and uh, we have a nice little treat for us, because Michael David Towson is back in town, and uh, we've, we've asked the Towsons to come up and do our first reading of the Advent season, so I'd like to invite them up. This is a tradition within the church uh, to do readings during the Sundays of Advent, and so uh, you can sign up too. There's a few slots left in the back if you want to take a look afterwards. On the first Sunday of Advent, we light the candle of hope. Lord, prepare our hearts to receive you in a special way this Christmas season. The world is so hurried and blind to the reality of you. May our hearts and our minds stay focused on you and the gift of salvation that you bring into the world. May each of us experience the miracle of Christmas and receive the gift of you with us. Our first Advent reading is from Isaiah 61, 1 through 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. The second reading is from Romans 5, 1 to 2. Therefore, since all have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. Amen. Good job. I met Michael... Junior high boys Bible study. Sixth grade he was. A couple weeks ago, right? Yeah. And now uh, now you're, you're kind of sounding like a preacher man. Pretty good. Good reading. All right. We'll have to have you come share sometime. That'd be fun. Uh, good morning, Rock Bible Church. How was Thanksgiving? Were you nice to the family? That's all I care about. Had a great, uh, great trip. We did a little five-day out on Monday, back on Friday, and uh, it snowed the two days we weren't traveling and weren't doing turkey. So it was almost perfect, as much as it could be, and uh, except for I ate too much, so it wasn't perfect. <laughs> um, but uh, it's good to be with family, isn't it? It's good to have a meal. It's a good to rejoice, party, relax, rest. Honor those you're with, huh? Uh, By the way, that's a small picture of heaven. Amen? I was talking to somebody recently that said, boy, I hope I get to go to heaven. Wow. Why hope? How about no? I like no better than hope, right? I want to know that I'm going. And I want you guys to know. You can know. It's what we're meant to remember. It's why we do communion. It's why we do Advent readings. It's why we do Christmas, Easter, all of the above, right? It's why we pray. It's why we have Bibles. It's the whole thing. It's why we have a church. So that you can know rather than guess, wonder, hope. I want to hope for 
smaller things. Like there'll be enough dark meat when I get to the plate. <laughs> right? I want to know when it comes to things like salvation. Just a little thing that struck me this week. Uh, welcome to Advent season, Christmas time, the, the best time of the year to have the excuse to talk about God and have it not be totally awkward, just mostly awkward. Uh, take advantage of it. Invite people to dinner. Um, ask them what, you know, what's the value of Christmas to you? What are your Christmas memories? Anything that gets the conversation started and gets us to that discussion of Jesus. Amen? All right, there's my short commercial. Uh, let's invite the ushers to come forward. They've got Bibles and outlines, pens, so they can follow along. And uh, so you can follow along. There's prayer request cards, so we know as a church staff and prayer team how to pray for you. Uh, and we'd love for you to fill one of those out and drop it in the offering plate. Just get uh, Peter or Mark's attention as they're coming down the aisle. You'll be able to follow us along as we continue in our series. Is there a doctrine in the house? We've been talking about theology and doctrine, foundational, fundamental, non-negotiable truths. Um, and I think we have to cover it because more and more truth is negotiated these days on most anything. If you talk to either side, either side of what, Scott? Anything. They want to negotiate, whether it's at school or your league sports event, uh, you know, whether it's management or those that are working, it doesn't matter. And we won't even mention politics, right? We want a happy Sunday. Uh, at some point, there have to be truths that we can count on. And you saying something this morning, and I was, I was thinking about, I was sitting up here in the front just thinking about this, how you just saying you are perfect in all of your ways. I'm going to test you on that this morning. We're going to get into the inerrancy of Scripture. Is the Bible perfect? And I want you to know, I have friends of mine who are pastors who argue this point against me. That's okay. They're wrong. But that's okay. There's still time for them to come to light. Uh, we're going to look at it this morning, and we're going to put it in words and terms, I think, that you'll be able to understand so that when you have that conversation, um, you'll, you'll feel confident. You know why you believe and what you believe from Scripture, that it's a valid source. It's trustworthy. You could take it at face value. Uh, we're going to need to look at that a little bit as we, as we uh, study this morning. So if you would, let's pray, and then we'll get going. Lord, thanks for this morning. Thanks for all the opportunities that we have in, in this holiday. And Lord, we can shop, we can take a train ride, we can be with family or not, whatever it is, Lord. We have the opportunity to honor and glorify you. We have the chance to pay attention and bring attention to who you are, what you did, why it's important, and doesn't affect us now. I pray, Lord, that you would continue to give us great answers for all of these. Pray, Lord, you'd be with us in our time this morning as we look at your word and give us a better, clearer, more confident picture of what you have said. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.
All right. Do you know that it all started with his word? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void, and the surface of the waters, and the spirit, and blah, 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 blah. And the Lord said, let there be. How did it all start? Him talking. You know the good news is? He hasn't started talking, stopped talking since. He's continued to talk. And we have to, um, we have to be careful when we think about God speaking or God's word or God talking because he's in a totally different category than anybody else that you could attribute those three things to. Well, you know, I heard Bryce said, well, that could go a lot of different ways, right? When we say God said, it's a very different thing. You know, Peter was talking the other day all right, we'll test it, we'll see. You know, God was talking to me the other day. That's a very different thing. Now, uh, I am gonna spend zero time this morning on validating when the Lord speaks to you or if it was the Lord speaking because you heard a voice or anything. No, that's not what we're talking about. This morning, I wanna talk about God's word, scripture. Uh, the Bible says, let, make sure that you... Um, Give attention to the public reading of Scripture. There's all kinds of commands about it. Uh, well, why? Because if you listen to the majority out there, uh, it's a bunch of stories written by a bunch of people. And they're just stories. Well, shoot, I got movies now. If it's just stories, toss the books. I'll go to the movies. All, in fact, better, better than if I can't get to the movies, I'll just audio listen on right in my car while I'm driving. And we have to, at some point, ask the question, especially when it gets really crazy. Wait, a fish swallowed a dude three days. He comes out and he lived. No, somebody walked on water. Somebody was dead and raised from the dead. Somebody's bleeding her whole life. And then all of a sudden stops because somebody touched her. What? There is so much, quote, unbelievable. And I want to know if you can get to believable. That he is perfect in all of his ways. You know what one of his ways is? Scripture. The word. What was written. And why written? And how long ago written? And how many copies written? I always crack up when they talk about number one bestseller on so-and-so list. <laughs> What's the number one bestseller of all time every week, every day? The Bible. The best you can get is second place. How is it that a book lasts that long? It gets translated so many different ways for so long you realize people are all over the world right now or a couple hours ago or in a couple hours meeting to, I mean, are they going to sing and are they going to pray? Yes. But are they going to pay attention to scripture? Yeah. You know, if without scripture, we don't have church. I took student ministry over to San Francisco one time. Uh, we did like a social justice ministry thing where we went and we, we fed the poor and then we passed out blankets and we gave people socks and we, you know, it was a whole weekend. We stayed at this place and then we went to a church service, a local church service at a place that the, 
the haven had worked out for us. And we went in, it was, it was fun. There was all kinds of different people and singing and all this energy and they were passing out a bunch of stuff and the whole thing and people spoke and some people just sang and some people cried and then some people led us in a prayer and then we left and I walked out and I felt robbed and cheated. And I didn't know what to do about it. I got back to the place where we were kind of gathering to eat and stay and the whole thing. And all of my students were coming up to me. Scott, they never mentioned the Bible. And I was having a moment, a little playful. Let's let's have some fun with this. I said, oh yeah, I, I noticed that too. What does that mean to you? And almost every kid to the T means it wasn't a service. That wasn't church. It was a good gathering. It was great people. It was good singing. And there was great prayers and things like that. But there was no public reading of scripture. I hugged every one of them. Uh, We're meant to understand that God's word is perfect and it's for us all the time. I want us to look at, uh, start in 1 Timothy and we're going to... Excuse me, Second Timothy. We're going to jump around to a couple of things. I'm going to give you at least five arguments for why the Bible is perfect. Now, I use the big fancy word that they use at seminary that you don't know how to spell. So I spelled it for you and I put it on the plate, paper and now we're not going to use that word anymore. Okay? It means it's without error. Okay? It's perfect. And we're going to explain how that makes sense to me, because there are things that look off in the Bible, and we're going to, we're going to get to that too. But Second uh, Peter chapter 4, verse 1 through 5, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead. I like the older translations, the quick and the dead. He's going to come and judge the quick and the dead, right? That's old uh, movie, Western movie. And by his appearing and his kingdom, verse 2, Preach the word. Now, where does that fall on the list of things he's about to tell us to do? It was first. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Are those fun things? What do those imply? Something needs to change. Something's off, something's twisted, something's wrong, skewed, shaded, whatever. Which... When we're talking about perfect and not perfect, what image is that giving you of us? If we need to be reproved, rebuked, and exhorted with patience, with complete patience and teaching, what's the picture that that's giving of us? What Are we lacking? We're lacking. So when it comes to the argument of who's perfect and who's not, The argument for us being imperfect is pretty strong. How well can imperfect recognize perfect? There's a logical track I want to get you on. It's very hard for those of us who are imperfect, who have flaws, who are lacking, to look at something and say, oh, that's perfect. Because we all have different perspectives. We're all missing things. We have holes. And you might look at something and say, oh, that's perfect. And I'll look at it and say, not to me. I think this is perfect. And you're like, how that perfect? It has no red in it. Got to have a little red in everything. I heard that somewhere. 
Verse 3, for the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. Don't worry, that's long in our future. (laughs) But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wandering off into myths. Folks, I've been in trouble. Do you know people have left the church because they weren't in agreement with some of the things that I said and then didn't like that I was unapologetic about what I had said? Not my job. What scares me is there will be a day that I will stand before the Lord and I will give account for this right here. Not for you. Praise the Lord. I am not responsible for a single one of you. Go do whatever you want. I can't get in trouble for you. Right? It's the most freeing insurance policy I have. When John runs off and does whatever, hey, Lord, I try. And you know what he'll say? Yeah, about that. I trust you to teach my word, my perfect, inerrant word, timeless, authority, the whole thing. Uh, You messed it up a few times. (laughs) A few times? (laughs) Well, yes, actually a bunch. Do you want the whole list or just the top 10? (laughs) That's what I'm worried about. My number one job is not to make sure the staff at the church is comfortable or that the heat's on or or that you're comfortable or you like which passage we picked. Or My number one job is to get this right. Folks, that's scary. And it's frustrating because it's complicated and it's, and they don't, they wrote it in the wrong order. (laughs) You know, so many different things. Uh, And my job is not to accommodate culture or best practices or what's popular or what's trending. In fact, I'm having more fun recognizing that if it's trending, it's probably not in here. And why? And how do we explain it? And how do we adjust to it? And how do I still love the Lord my God and love my neighbor as myself? That's a lot of work. Because I need to, if we had gone back to the previous slide, to be reproved, rebuked, exhorted, right? Because I'm not perfect. Oh, no. I don't know if this just hit you. If we're not perfect, we can't afford to have a source that's imperfect. That's the blind leading the blind. If it was just a bunch of stories or half of it's right, my argument would be chuck it. Move on. Go do something else that's going to actually pay off a little bit more. But as for me and my house, I've, we've kind of decided that this is 100% on. And even in the times when we think it's off, we just wait a little while. Darn, it was right again. 
it encourages us to be then, verse 5. Watch what it says. As for you, always be what? Sober-minded. Endure suffering. What? I have to be sober-minded and I'm going to suffer? What happened to it's perfect and all his ways are perfect? We sang it. I mean, if we sang it, shouldn't it be true? Guys, if we follow the logic, the, the train of logic, that means there's suffering that is perfect. What? How's that for changing your thinking? And there's a way to suffer perfectly. Suffering that's perfect and then suffering perfectly. Two different things. How you handle it is different than just the scenario itself. Whoa. This makes sense when you watch somebody handle something well and somebody handle something poorly. Reference one of the events at Thanksgiving. I have several. Do the work of, the, of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. In the midst of being sober-minded and enduring suffering while you're being reproved and rebuked, what are we supposed to make sure we continue to do? Tell other people about this God who is reproving and rebuking and pushing us through suffering and doing all this stuff. Make sure we get people on that train. What? <laughs> no, that train's rough. Yes. It takes time and endurance, patience, I believe it referenced in there. And it's over time that we start to recognize this. It's not some cute ride for 25 bucks with lights and you get to sing songs. I have hot cocoa on the 10th. Tuesday, 7 p.m., cards in the back. It's a whole different kind of ride. You don't get the seat you want. You figure that out? Have you understood enough of the Bible? If it's perfect and we buy it that way, you don't get the seat you want. And the path will not always be lit with colorful strings of lights. And it might end up at a destination other than what you think you signed up for. Welcome to perfection. Fulfill your ministry. Is that a cute little throwaway phrase we get out of scripture? Well, that means the passage is over. Now we're going to get the fill-ins. No, there's no throwaway phrases in Scripture. If the Bible is perfect, inerrant, there's no throwaways. There's no fillers. There's every word picked on purpose, every letter picked on purpose. Because if I put A in there in place of the, boy, it changes it drastically. The day, very different than a day. A day would be once, very specific. The day could be any. Every single letter means something. So what's fulfill your ministry? What's that mean? What assumptions and observations could you make from those three words? You have a ministry, which means it's not all Scott's job. Man, today's just getting better and better. Uh, there's a way to fulfill 
this ministry, this calling, this thing that God has for you to do that could be effective and, and fulfilling, encouraging, there's a way for you to get that right. How cool is that? And what's the flip side? There's a thousand ways to jack it up, right? You said it more nicely, to get it wrong. <laughs> There's a lot of ways to get it wrong. I want to introduce you and sell you on one of the ways to fulfill your ministry. Scripture. Buying it at face value in its entirety. See, one of the things that we get from this is that the scripture, the inerrant word of God is true. True. Name for me one thing that failed. That did not happen. There's many you could name that are supposed to happen later. But of the ones in the past, I love finding out that uh, people want to discredit the Bible because it said such and such and city was located somewhere right around here and they never found it. it ne it's wrong. It's got its geography uh, wrong. Well, if it's wrong in one area, it must be wrong in more areas. It's imperfect. Then some Yahoo starts digging in a different place and, oh, there it is. We just didn't dig far enough. There's the city, exactly where they said it was supposed to be. So it was imperfect. Scripture or our understanding of it. Matthew 5 says, uh, says this, verse 17. Uh, do, not think, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have, come, I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What is Jesus' statement about Scripture, about its priority to him? Is he, is he guaranteeing Scripture? Now think about this, because we've talked a little bit about Jesus at this church. Uh, he was at the beginning, right? Then there was this thing called Easter, right? Where at the end of Easter, he kind of conquers death. I say that sarcastically, right? He conquers death. He was at the beginning. He makes these promises. He gives us the Holy Spirit. Uh, he goes to prepare a place for us. This is the guy that's speaking. And he says, I've not come to abolish the law or the prophets. What's the law? That's the written word. Of what God has given them. What you should do, what you should avoid, what's important to God. He says, I'm not going to abolish this. In fact, I've come to fulfill them. Make sure that they happen, right? That's a stone cold guarantee. The inerrant word of God is guaranteed by Jesus. Now, I have a, have a very poor track record of going against Jesus. I don't know if you've tried this. In your private life, when you do things that are anti Jesus or anti-scripture, how's, how's that gone for you? Don't answer that out loud. You know the reason why? Because he's perfect in all of his ways. And Jesus says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show this. I'm going to make it play out. 
we're winning this game at the end. No matter what it looks like between now and then, or the score at halftime, or whether you get injured, or whether you forgot your cleats, it's game day and you didn't even bring your cleats. Man, I'm so tired of that one. Umpteen years old and you're showing up to a game. You got, mommy didn't put the cleats in the bag for you. Why are you still, you know, letting mommy take care of you? Am I talking about soccer? Well, gosh, I thought you were, but now maybe, maybe I'll rethink that. See, Jesus is guaranteeing that all that he said, all that God has said, all that the prophets have said are, are going to happen. Those things are going to happen. Number three, let's look at Mark, uh, Mark 13. Uh, so also, when you see these things taking place, it's signs of the future, right? uh, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. How much is he guaranteeing? All these things, right? All of it? And then watch this one, 31. This is really hard to argue against. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Wow. That means Jesus is going to be held accountable for all of his words. Jesus is on trial. I, I can't help it. They're going to have an inquiry into Jesus and all of his phone calls. This is a phone call, folks. This is your phone call. And by the way, there's a ton of quid pro quos in here. Conditional statements, if, then, things that God cares about. And he says, you know what? I'm going to make sure that everything that I've said happens. How's that for a leader? You know what it makes me want to do? It makes me want to know all the things he said. Let me read some more. Let me cross-reference. Let me check them, how they work together. Hey, what's it mean to you? Have you seen this? Let's talk about it more. Let's get more stuff going. Because if it's perfect, if he's guaranteeing it, then I want to know all there is to know. Do you get the, can we go back to the Matthew? See, he's not abolishing any of it. See that top line there? Do not think that I've come to abolish the law. Prove that parts of it you can skip. That we throw out Paul because we didn't like a few things that he said. And so those 13 books, yeah, I don't know. See, what we need to understand about this is that God's inerrant word is taking place. If I said took place, how would that be different than taking place? It'd be over. And now we could have uh, the report card, right? Let's study, let's see, did it happen, did it not happen? Da, da, da. If it's taking place, what's the, in, the, the nuance there? That's important to remember. It's ongoing. God's word is alive and active. 
What's the next line? Sharper than, do you, anybody reference, you know, in the reference I'm getting at? Live and active, sharper than two, and I, man, I was all excited about the sword. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Wait, there's swords in the Bible. They're two-edged, they're really sharp. Because I was a little boy. You know, I'm getting more and more excited as an adult. Active. God's word is active. That means it's taking place. That means it's still going on. Fulfillment is happening. That's great. Because now it's it's no longer an experiment that I'm testing. It's like a path I'm enjoying. In fact, here's here's the thing. And there's one thing that you take out of this morning that I really want you to maybe even write down is this idea. I can bank on the fact that God's word is perfect. But our interpretation of it is not. Man. When that one finally hit me. The idea that the problems I have with scripture, the dysfunction, the questions, the frustrations, the doubts are actually based and rooted within me. I allow scripture the ability to be perfect without compromising my experience. And my experience with scripture is imperfect. My experience with scripture is frustrating. My anger with scripture is real. There's times where I see stuff in scripture and I don't like that. I don't want to read that. I don't want that to be true. And the problem with it is not the perfection of scripture, but my emotions, my experience, my approach, my baggage that I'm bringing into the passage. There's two little fun little definitions I want to give you. Exegesis. Exegesis is we take scripture, we try to get everything out of it that's actually in there. That's the simplest definition. There's another, that's exegesis. There's another one, eisegesis. Eisegesis is, I want to see what I can put into Scripture because I like it if it looks this way. I'm more comfortable. I'll follow it more if it looks this way to me. So I'm going to twist it, spin it, make it look like what I want it to look like. I'm putting into Scripture, iso, putting in, rather than exo, Jesus, right, exodus, or where's the exit, right? Getting out of. That's the difference with Scripture. And the moment you deal with somebody who says, well, Scripture's not perfect. Now you know you're dealing with an eisegesisist. And yes, I did make up that word. (laughs) Eisegist, maybe. I don't know. We'll get somebody smarter to come up with a phrase for that. Uh, Revelations 22. Fourth one. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. Man, that's scary. Well, not really, Scott, because it's, it's uh, John writing about Revelation and just the book of Revelation. 
okay, great, I can go with that argument too. If this is how John feels about Revelation, the taking from just that book, how do you think he feels about the rest of Scripture, the stories that are actually about Jesus or historical accounts of what God actually did when he was in the temple, the one time he did leave the temple, when he won wars, when he raised people, when he killed people. You want to take and play with that? We know what the, what the stakes are for messing with Revelation or the whole of the book because here's where I'll make the whole of the book argument. If you jack this up, what, what's the cost, right? Look, look here. When you mess this up, uh, uh, he will take away his share in what? The tree of life. Hmm. Where'd that come from? Where'd you hear about the tree of life? Chapter three. Oh, of what book? The whole book, Scott. Chapter three of Genesis, right? When they had seen that Adam and Eve had taken and eaten the fruit, then they will be like us, knowing the difference between knowledge of good and evil. Let us cast them out, lest they eat from the tree of life. We're gonna protect them from the tree of life because they have a sin nature now. So we're gonna block them out and we're not gonna let them have access to the tree of life anymore. In fact, we're kicking them out of paradise. No more Garden of Eden. No perfect place anymore with tree of life. How cool is this? Get it right and what's implied? You get tree of life back in perfect place again. Holy city, which is described in this book. Well, we've come full circle. You know, the Bible doesn't make sense, jumps around all over the place, contradicts itself. Oh, really? What do you do with all the things that are 100% symmetrical and start in one place, come all the way around, and by the very end, land on the same spot? What do you do with those? Well, what do you mean? I think you should read more. See, God's word is perfect. It's inerrant. It's guaranteed by Jesus. It's taking place and it's complete. It's complete. You know, perfect doesn't mean just right. It means you have all that you need. So don't take away and don't add. Or don't add or take away. So I got my feelings backwards because my word is imperfect. <laughs> is there a little more bounce in your step right now or let me say it this way do you realize you can bounce in your step walking out of here you have access to everything you need to know to get it right to be fulfilled to have a ministry to be patient to suffer you have all the answers. What? No. No, I don't. The word marijuana is not in the Bible anywhere. I don't have answers on marijuana. <laughs> well, that's, that's the standard you want to use. <laughs> Folks, this stuff is so much deeper. Or how about if it's not in the book, then it's not that important. <laughs> Pick a side. And figure out how it goes. And see if you're violating anything else in scripture. 
And just because the Bible doesn't speak about one thing doesn't mean it has nothing to say. It might speak about it indirectly in different ways in things that are similar. Might give you priorities that contradict with one of your choices. But it absolutely should help you reset. You see, what we're going to get to next year is God and His Word, part three. Wait, wait, we're, it's like for another month. Yes. I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to take a break on God's Word. We're going to have to talk about Jesus for the next three, four weeks. I hear there's something coming up on the 25th. I want to make sure we cover it. So we're going to get into the deity and the humanity and the incarnation, all this different stuff about Jesus over the next uh, three weeks of Advent and Christmas Eve. Okay? But when we get to the third part of God's word, we're going to start talking about how it can be an authority for you. See, the most... For most people, they question the two first parts of truth about God's word because they want to make sure they never get to the third part, that it's an authority. Because if it was perfect, you'd have to listen. You'd have to obey, right? Uh, welcome to, what do I usually say? Rock? Bible? Church? Rock. Hmm. Hey, Scott, how'd you choose the name? Well, church, that should be self-explanatory. Bible, that's going to be our focus. Rock, how'd we pick rock? He who hears these words of mine and obeys them will be like a man who built his house on the rock. You see, you can't have the Bible and be enough if you don't have it as a rock. Bible church means nothing if you don't actually follow the Bible. <laughs> Teach it and obey it. Amen? Amen? All right. Let's wrap this baby up. Uh, last one. Acts chapter 3, uh, verse 21. Here we go. This is Luke. All the gospels are over. He's kind of culminating this thing, right? Whom heaven must receive until the time of for restoring... All the things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Guys, there's so many great things in that that God chose to speak through people. How cool is that? What does that mean about you now? God could speak through you. God could speak to you through somebody else. That means God is continually taking place. His word is still ongoing. He's still active. He's not done yet. And most important, He's going to restore all things through you and other people based on what he said is going to happen. See, God's inerrant word is restoring all things. Man, I wish people looked at church and God and his word that way and prayer and fellowship Rather than, ah, oh, it's a bunch of rules. Trying to take my fun away. Oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. I have to learn this. Oh, I have to eat bread and drink wine once a month. No. 
It's not about how you're being caged, limited, chained. It's how you're being freed. In fact, you're being restored. Does anybody remember the five times it said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 that his business is reconciliation? What that means for you is that all of God's perfect word and his perfectness is working towards you being reconciled. Brought back to perfect. Fixed. You tried to fix anything that is no longer in its original condition? I have a drawer, bottom drawer of the refrigerator, sitting on my counter, currently being glued. I am running out of ways to try and fix this thing because I am stubborn and a miser, and I shan't buy a new one over the internet. It cost me too much money. So I got the super glue out, and I'm just this big, long tray that pulls out on the body. You open the doors, and the thing pulls out, and it cracked right in the middle. And so wait, any engineers, right? The middle is the best place for it to just bend down. And I'm trying to glue this thing back together. The whole day. It's a great experiment. I'll let you know how it goes. How much better if someone could magically just restore it? Reconcile it back to its original condition. There are so many better arguments for why God's word is perfect than any of the arguments that go against. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, try to figure out how that works for you. Test it, try it. Uh, the Bible says, test the spirit and hold on to what is good. You might find that your interpretation of something was wrong. Great. Acknowledge it. Well, guess I was wrong about that. Maybe I'll try it the other way. And find out that she was right. Whoever she is. You see, you, you've got an opportunity to enjoy your imperfection. in interpreting that which is perfect. Amen? Amen? Father, we thank you that although we make mistakes, although we have passions and comforts and preferences, that you cater to no one when it comes to truth. That you are solid firm, confident, trustworthy, reliable in everything that you say. How refreshing, Lord, to have someone who always tells the truth. It's different than every single experience we have ever had or ever will. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to enjoy that. Give in by the fact that you're right. Allow ourselves to be wrong. Maybe more importantly, Lord, allow others to be wrong with complete patience and teaching.
may your word, Lord, be more and more a source for us in our restoration to that ultimate day when we will sit at your banqueting table, eat from the tree of life in the holy city. We thank you, Lord, that Christmas signifies that you came for us so that we could experience that. Thank you for the offering that we're about to receive, Lord. Pray that you would bless it and help us to be a church that is committed to the public reading of your, in, your perfect, inerrant word. Amen.